Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky and as you've heard me say before on the united soccer coaches podcast presented by league apps one of the things i love is the ability to interview people at all different levels of the game today's show is exactly like that we start with vince gansberg who was recently named the new director of coaching education for United Soccer Coaches. He'll kick off the show. Then we meet the new chair of the Latino Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group with United Soccer Coaches. That's Mauricio Lazada. You've heard him before on this show, including as a member of the 30 Under 30 class. Anna Witte sits down with the Inside the 18 podcast hosts, Michael, Saskia, and Omar. And then we meet another 30 Under 30 member, Haley Zvid. That's our show, and it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, League Apps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps, kicking off with Vince Gansberg, as I told you in the open. On March 7th, not that long ago, United Soccer Coaches named the former Associate Director of Coaching Education, Vince Gansberg, as the association's newest Director of Coaching Education. As the Director of Coaching Education, Vince will oversee the X's and O's content residential and non-residential courses, curriculums for the courses, academy staff, grassroots coaching, partnership education, and new course creation. Quoting the new CEO, Jeff Van Dusen, he says, quote, when the director of coaching education position became vacated in early January, I sat back and came up with my list of intangible qualities for the position. Vince Gansberg fit all the intangibles, a teacher, a license, United Soccer Coaches Premier Diploma, presenter experience, likability, respect in the soccer community, and a love for the association. Vince brings a wealth of knowledge, a vision, and an incredible passion for coach education. A little bit more before I welcome Vince in. In as many years of coaching education, Vince Gansberg has earned his U.S. Soccer A license, United Soccer Coach Premier Diploma, and National Youth License, along with a master's degree in recreation and sports science from Ohio University. He has honed his craft through his tenure as United Soccer Coaches Education Instructor, U.S. Soccer Coaching Instructor, and Coaching Education Consultant, including creating the first U.S. Soccer F license. In 2018, Gansberg received a U.S. Youth Soccer Dr. Thomas Fleck Excellence in Youth Soccer Education Award. With that, Vince Gansberg, the new United Soccer Coaches Director of Coaching Education. Thanks for kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. 
Thank you for having me. You saw the release, obviously, a couple of weeks ago, and now you're a couple of weeks officially in this role. What does it mean to you? Well, it means a, a lot to me to hopefully represent those that blaze the path before me in a positive way. And also means a lot to me because uh, this association is very near and dear to my heart. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this association and specifically one individual, the late Mike Berticelli. It means, it means a lot for the association to give me this opportunity. I'm very grateful. When was the first time you came across the association? Obviously, when you did, it was then called the NSCAA. Yes, correct. So basically, I was a 24-year-old high school coach coaching right across the street from the University of Notre Dame. And the University of Notre Dame men's soccer coach at the time was Mike Berticelli. Mike had a, young, had a son coming. He was going, going to play for me the next year. I'm 24 years old. I I just got done coaching a game where my team was down. We were actually 0-0 at halftime to an inferior opponent. You could hear the volume of my speech, and Coach Berticelli was in the stands. I won't say what words I probably said when I was 24 and young and stupid, but he was in the stands, and we scored six goals in the second half. And my assistant coach, who was another mentor of mine, his, his name is Tom Van Meter, great man. He said, hey, Coach Berticelli wants to meet you. And I was like really nervous because I everyone knew who Coach Berticelli was in South Bend and nationally. And here I am, this 24-year-old high school coach that was just trying to make a living with teaching and coaching. And so I met him and he said, hey, first thing he said was, can I have a copy of your halftime speech? And I said, why? And he said, because if I, my team, my Notre Dame team can score six goals and a half, then I'm set for life. I, I'm, I'm good. And he said, and I'll never forget, he put his arm around me and he, he's a big, he was a big man. And he said, have you ever taken a coaching course? And I said, no, I've never taken a coaching course. So he convinced the high school parents of the team I was coaching to send me to the national diploma of then the NSCAA. I took that course and it completely just changed my life. It just completely showed like I played soccer. I had a soccer playing background, but I didn't know how to transfer all that knowledge into understanding and into make it purposeful practices. And if it wasn't for that person that, that God put in my life with Mike Berticelli, then I, I probably wouldn't be sitting here in this because I would just be a teacher and a high school coach the rest of my life. That's what I thought I was going to do. So I've been very blessed. He was a very good friend after that. Uh, we became very good friends and his passing was very hard on me and a lot of us, but I'm just so fortunate that I got a chance to know him for as long as I did. I'm pretty sure he's looking down from heaven, really mm -hmm. proud of what you've accomplished now as the new director of coaching education. He sent you in to go get that first diploma. Do you remember who your instructors were? Oh, very much so. Yes. Shella Seinman, who's still teaching and going at it today. And I never forget, I did my first practice coaching and I thought I did really well. And, and he basically just he gave me some good things, but then he gave me some things that I was like, oh, I'm really not that good. So as the week went on, I did my final test and he brought me aside afterwards and he just, you know, in his Clint Eastwood type voice that he has, he said, you learned. And that was it. Back then, you know, instructors would do that. They would just take you aside and said, hey, you did great. You, did, you passed. But Shellis was my first instructor. What an impact he has made too on my life. Yeah, indeed. Those are two incredible names when you think about Coach Berticelli and Coach Heinemann as well. You know, in today's world, it's a little bit different. There's different components you have to consider, but one of the things that uh, has been a big focus of United Soccer Coaches, both with their 30 under 30 and just the, their general approach is spreading their arms wide open, but definitely trying to recruit younger coaches. Vince, as you take on that part of your role, how important is it to recruit younger coaches in the next generation of coaches? 
Well, it's very important because we're only going to be on this earth for so long. And I guess I look at it as, you know, the story I just told, right? I was 24 years old. I had no idea. And I think that's part of the strategy that, you know, I have to try and take is how can I get the coaching education to them so they know about us and so they know that they can get educated through United Soccer Coaches. So I think just by working with colleges and universities, one thing we want to do is set up education centers around the country at college campuses and and high school campuses. So where young coaches, for example, if they want to come and learn, they can. So that is one strategy that I want to try and implement in 2022-23. That's just one way. But the other way is just trying to continue the blended learning format that we've, we started during the pandemic. We're going to continue that because we found that uh, people do like to still learn online, learn at their own pace, attend some Zoom meetings. And now, hopefully now we're back in person. Now they can also do some in-person things as well. But I think the strategy for, for me and for us going forward is we have to figure out how to get education to them. And, and the days where coaches would look on the website and try and find a course near them, it's, it's not that they're gone, but we have to think differently on how we reach that younger audience. So TikToks, and I don't know anything about TikTok, but I'll try. TikToks and, and uh, Facebook, Twitter, those types of things, uh, I think we got to embrace in our marketing strategy. We're here with Vince Gansberg, the new director of coaching education for United Soccer Coaches. Before he got to this point, he also served many roles with U.S. Youth Soccer, including being the former Indiana State Director of Coaching, which he was inducted into the Indiana Soccer Hall of Fame in 2015 and has served as a USYS regional and national coach, including previously leading the Midwest Regional Development Camp for both the boys and the girls. Prior to being named director of coaching for Indiana soccer, Vince was a high school teacher and a coach for 14 years, and he's still currently coaching high school soccer. As a player, he was honored by Bethel College, now university, as an inductee into their athletic hall of fame. I wanted to mention all of that because a lot of times, even on this podcast, we're talking about pro and MLS and NWSL in college, but really, when you analyze United Soccer Coaches, the core of their base is youth and high school, and you've dedicated your life to that, Vince, which has to make you pretty excited about this role as well, knowing the core of the association. Yes, and if anything, I think that I can relate to, hopefully hopefully relate to a lot of those coaches out there in, in uh, the youth world and also the high school coaching uh, world. So definitely very excited about the opportunity to reach that group. But like you said, I... I've had a lot of experience in that space and I still coach high school soccer. I love coaching high school soccer. And I just think that it's a a wonderful opportunity for us to continue to grow. As you went through this interview process and obviously you stepped up and, you know, mad props to Ian Barker for the job he did and you and Ian were a great team, but obviously Ian made a decision to step aside. You filled in at the convention as you're going through the interview process, what's the conversation with your family? What are you thinking? Were you like all in on it, Vince, or did you have any uh, hesitation at all? Well, first off, you're right about Ian. I mean, I, I can't thank Ian Barker enough for giving me the opportunity to, to be his uh, assistant, if you will. My appointment was actually bittersweet because that meant that he left, he moved on. As far as decision-making was concerned, I mean, when they offered me the job, it was, a, for me, it was a no-brainer for me. I'm like, this is something that I feel not ready for. I'm never, you're never quite ready to jump into another role, but I just feel like it's just a way that I can honor people like the late Mike Berticelli and and all those other people that have helped me throughout 
my coaching career and teaching career and just being a young adult. I guess the only decision was whether or not uh, our CEO would let me stay at home and, and work from Indiana where I live. And, and that was agreed upon. So once that was done, then we were okay. When the offer came, I was like, just excited, but yet also nervous because I know that it's a big job. Indiana is the home to a lot of legendary soccer people. I mean, the godfather, Jerry Yeagley, comes to mind right away, and then the list just keeps rolling on. Talk a little bit about uh, what Indiana has meant to you and your development. Oh, my goodness. You know, it's funny because we always say, you know, that the game starts and ends in Indiana somewhere, somewhere along the line. Um, <laughs> there's been so many great people from this state. Led, I mean, obviously, Coach Yeagley, as you said, is the godfather, and but more than that, he's just a great human being, just a great person. And, and he created, I think, that tradition. He created a soccer tradition back in the 70s when really soccer wasn't being played much. I mean, in, you know, basketball in Indiana are two synonymous terms. I mean, it's a religion. It still is. But soccer is pretty close, again, due to Coach Yakely. And then we had Coach Berticelli come. We had Coach Schmaltz down in Evansville, Fred Schmaltz down in Evansville. We've had some legendary coaches that have developed legendary players. Greg Malk, who is, you know, in his 40-something year of coaching uh, high school, what a legend he is. I mean, we just have a great legacy here in Indiana that I'm really proud of, and I'm proud to be a part of it. Vince Gansberg, when you think about the association at its core, now called United Soccer Coaches, what does it mean to you? To me, it's just, you know, an opportunity to continue to serve and, and to continue to grow the game and to make coaches better who then make kids better and not just better on the field, but better off the field, too, and make, you know, kids more successful in the classroom, out of the classroom, productive citizens. To me, there's a bigger picture than just being an educator or designing curriculum and delivering courses. To me, it's a bigger picture. It's, it always has been. All right. Congratulations, Vince. Uh, thanks for all you're doing and congratulations on this new job. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Vince Gansberg, proof that good things happen to good people. We also talked before we went on the air about the fact that he's been really impressed with United Soccer Coaches and their advocacy groups. Speaking of their advocacy groups, it's my pleasure to be joined by Mauricio Lazada, who has stepped up as the new chair for the Latino Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group under the United Soccer Coaches umbrella. Mauricio joins me after this message. Performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program. The United Soccer Coaches Performance Analysis Level 1 Special Topics Diploma will provide coaches with real-world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve Level 1 accreditation as an Applied Performance Analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the Master Course Schedule on unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. I want to thank Vince Gansberg for kicking things off. Now we're joined, as promised, by the new chair of the Latino Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group, as we're talking about Mauricio Lazada, who, by the way, is also in charge of Tonka United in Minnesota, the boys 11 through 14 age group director. Mauricio, welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to be on, so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I thought it was important to get updated on how things are going, but first, we just heard from 
Vince Gansberg, who's the new director of coaching education for United Soccer Coaches. And I think you got one of your United Soccer Coaches diplomas with Vince. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I was part of the um, national course out in Colorado. It was a lot of fun seeing him at his best coaching and mentoring coaches. So I look forward to working with him in this role uh, to get some coaching education content out of the Latino Advocacy Group. But he looks forward to working with you as well as uh, we all do. And big things are happening for United Soccer Coaches. And, you know, before we went on, you said uh, the momentum has returned for the Latino Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group. So give us kind of a state of the union on the Latino Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group, if you can. Convention was perfect for us. We reconnected with, with our members, our leadership group. It was nice to be in the same place and, and be able to talk about the things that we were able to do, on, you know, during a pandemic but also um, get new folks involved and excited and, and looking forward to, to being part of the group and, and uh, leaving their mark. So we are in a very good place right now. We're going to have our national meeting here in a couple of weeks. We're going to kick things off with you know, a couple of changes with Abix the group, and we're just excited to get more people in the fold and, and, and ready to work. So look forward to, to those kind of meeting informations in, in, in your emails, but also our social media platforms for the Latino Advocacy Group, but also on the national United Soccer Coaches so that you can get more information. Let's get to know you a little bit better. As uh, you and I talked about before you came on the air, you're Mexican-American, but I want to know your coaching journey as well. I really want to know your entire journey. So if you wouldn't mind, like, tell us, you know, where you grew up, how you got into soccer and where you started coaching and how you ended up in uh, Minnesota. Family's from Mexico, so we moved to Northfield, Minnesota when I was about uh, 11 years old. And depending on who asks, I'll say that I'm from Northfield, Minnesota, because, you know, I middle school, high school, grew up there. I love the place. My family's still there. Coaching really came from during my high school playing days. Our high school coach was adamant that, that we give back to the community. And, and a service project was to uh, help out with the, uh, with the littles uh, on the rec program and you know just kind of go there be assistant coaches show them some soccer moves and and, and kind of get them excited about the sport and then from then on my job during the summers and in, in college was to to coach uh, at North Soccer Association that's where I played at and in, in youth and and I really didn't become professional until I got into the college game when I was given an opportunity to to be an assistant with the women's program at St. Olaf um, that's when it kind of hit me of it doesn't get better to just get paid to, to be around soccer fields, be around soccer balls, work with pretty good players. So that's kind of where I turned the corner and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go get my licenses. I'm going to go just reach out to people and see what I need to do to uh, make this a career. Then I got my first director job at a, a club. And after that, I, I haven't looked back. So I'm, I'm excited to be at Tonka United. Uh, I've been here for since July of last year, and uh, it's a fantastic club. I, I love the people that I work with. The players, the families have been uh, fantastic, and, and I'm excited for, for the good things coming up uh, our way. And, and I'm still at the college game, assistant at Bethlehem Lutheran with the men's program. Uh, we had a, a great last fall, and we're excited for, for good things coming out on that realm too. So busy, soccer, it's, it's wonderful, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Mauricio Lozado, the chair of the United Soccer Coaches, Latino Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group. And 
Mauricio, they needed somebody to step up. And obviously, Lee Jarrell and Sue Ryan, and Lee's got a new role now, but they do such a great job making sure that all the Evsky groups are, are churning and burning and, and really making things work well. They needed somebody to step up. What was it about that opportunity that, you know, you said, hey, I'll step up. I can handle this. I started being part of the group at the Baltimore Convention. And, and for me, it was really about I have the energy and I have the time to to give back, uh, whatever that was. And as I got more involved with the group, as, as I was in charge of projects and, and got leadership roles, I knew that at some point, being the chair of the of the group was on the cards. Not right away, I was thinking, you know, later in my 30s, maybe early in my 40s. But, you know, the circumstances came and, and there was a need for a leadership change. And, and for me, it was a no-brainer. I want to make sure that our Latino group is, is doing right by our members. We have a voice with the organization and we're seen and we're heard and, and we're given opportunities to do uh, the coaching education pieces and, and be a convention and be up in uh, front and center. So I have the energy and, and I am surrounded by an amazing leadership group that allows me to do the things that I need to do to make sure that the energy uh, is there. There are people that want to get involved are, are the right ones and can leave their mark and, and take us on, on the right direction. I, I'm just humbled by the opportunity and, and I can't wait to see what we were able to do in, in 2022. So let's talk about that. What are some of your short-term goals and long-term goals for the Latino Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group? Short-term, continue to get that energy back, get people excited about uh, the type of things that, that we're working on and, and, and how they can get involved. That's, that's going to be key on uh, making sure that not only our numbers grow, but also we're getting more coaches, getting them those leadership skills to not only serve the uh, association, but also become better coaches themselves in that process. And then long-term, we want to make sure that uh, we continue to grow the 30 under 30 roster. The last couple of years, we've been pretty good. We've been about four or five Latino, Latina coaches in it. Uh, we want to grow that. We want to make sure that we get more coaching educators, those that are have that passion of theirs, get them in, in, in the either, you know, now under Vince guidance, getting, you know, doing those, those, uh, those kind of things to, to make sure that, again, coaches can, can see themselves and those, and, and those mentors. And then lastly, there's some changes coming up for the advocacy groups. So we want to uh, make sure that we run with them and, and, and we get more people involved so that we were ready for next convention and, and, and having more presentations and, and, and being presenters on the fields and, and that kind of stuff. So it's going to be busy work for the next couple of months, but, but we're ready for, for it and, and, and we're excited to, to get to it. Were you a 30 under 30 member as well? I was of last, last year's group. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I remember talking to you and then I think about Cynthia Cervantes and, you know, I love the fact that United Soccer Coaches, you know, via the 30 under 30 group is looking out for more Latino members as well. And I mean, they're doing more, right? I mean, like Cynthia Cervantes is everywhere. How does that make you feel when you see these young superstars wanting to be a part of your group? That's the future, right? Um, we're, we want to make sure that we get these uh, young coaches in and giving them opportunities to just grow as coaches, but also as individuals. The best part about it is get your hands dirty, get involved, get some responsibilities under you and connect, connect with coaches. I think that's one of the things that I've been impressed the most out of advocacy, uh, the advocacy world is that not only am I just with Latino coaches, but you know, 
uh, getting to know the women's group, getting to know LGBTQ and being exposed to, to more than just our issues. That's great because, again, it, it keeps us on the know and, and it makes us think outside the box for our players, for our families. So it's a win-win situation to be uh, part of the advocacy world. Since I asked this question to you when you were 30 under 30, which wasn't that long ago, but it's been long enough where maybe something's changed now that you're at Tonka and you've got this big job as the chair of the Latino soccer coaches group. Where do you want to be 10 years from now, Mauricio? I've given myself uh, to 35 to, to either be a head coach at the college game or be the DOC at a club. Right now, being at, at Tonka United, being uh, age group director, more and more clubs are going that way. Instead of having one person be the the soccer person, they're breaking down a little bit more. And, and, and I think that's a good thing. I love having a girls direct 11 to 14 right across from me and, and be able to collaborate and make sure that ideas continue to bounce around and, and, and make them better. I also love working with, you know, the, the other three age group directors. So, so maybe the be the DOC is probably not going to be in the cards anymore and that's okay. But, but I, I think my point is that it's one or the other, either be very, very involved with youth and maybe, you know, become a coaching educator. Again, uh, the, be a head coach of the college game, college game day. It's, it doesn't matter what division you're in. <laughs> it's addicting, <laughs> you know, the travel, the make your home field look nice. I don't want to miss that. So, so I don't know. My guess is that I don't know what where I'm going to be in 10 years, but by, by 35, I, I got to make a turn. <laughs> uh, so so that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. Turning 32 this year. So so I got three more years to, to really grind it out and, 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 and really make the connections necessary to, to get to the next point. Yeah, I know you'll get there because, um, you know, you wear it on your sleeve and you're so passionate about it. Just two more questions for you. Last month during Black History Month, Nicole Hercules, we let the Black soccer coaches advocacy group kind of do a takeover. And one of the things that was interesting is she also, I felt like talked a lot about the other advocacy groups as well. Are there other advocacy groups within United Soccer Coaches that uh, you enjoy working with or being a part of? Becoming uh, the chair, um, just being exposed to all the these amazing leaders. I mean, like we have people that have been in the game for so long, but are humble enough to just, you know what, we need to talk about some some hard issues and 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 we need to, you know, be honest and and have some interesting conversations. Um, so I've I've enjoyed that. I've enjoyed to see these people that you look at the resume and they're like fantastic, right? But but then you see, uh, you know, it, you you see what other people don't see and those and those calls and those those things and. Um, and, and it inspires me to just become a better leader uh, because you're like, oh, okay, I get. It. I'm still young, and I and I ask. I'll probably say that I ask some some dumb questions sometimes <laughs> in those calls, but but they still kind of like, get, you know, they're like, oh yeah, actually, yeah, let's think about that, and 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 are um, humble enough to just take a step back and 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 hash it out and those kind of things. So. Um, I, I guess it's not a particular group. I, 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 I have loved working with all these, these amazing people. Um, and, and that to me, um, it's just, it's just fantastic. You don't, you don't, you don't get that. You don't get that anywhere else. Uh, that's, that's a very unique to United States coaches. And um, I, that's why I, I love this, this role uh, because I get to, to see more um, than, than just convention or, you know, just the emails. <laughs> I, I, no, I love that answer. And, and with that, you know, 
you're so passionate about United Soccer Coaches, Mauricio. When you hear those three words, United Soccer Coaches, what does it mean to you? Um, you know, I, I, I know that's, it, you know, it's education and inspiration, um, right? But for me, it's just, uh, it's, it's a platform to just connect with, with coaches and, and, and getting them involved and, and, and giving them uh, opportunities to, to be leaders. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes coaching can be a, a lonely profession. Uh, we can get wrapped up in the wins and losses and the, the trophies and, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but what I appreciate about United Psycho Coaches is that it, it makes you take a step back, um, learn from others, um, be exposed to new ideas, be, be exposed to, you know, best practices, um, and then, you know, human beings, <laughs> uh, you know, like that, that to me, it's, it's, it's something that I appreciate about United Psycho Coaches, um, and, and why I, I get involved, right, um, because, you know, I've met amazing people from all over the country. I've met some people outside the United States through United Psycho Coaches that otherwise I would not have any way of ever meeting um, and, and being able to just pick up a phone and be like, hey, uh, we need to talk about this or that. And, and they're receptive and they're open to it and, and give, you know, give me advice and, and mentor me in a way. So that's, that's fantastic. I, I am ex I'm excited for what we can do in 2022, um, and I'm excited for, for the next 80 years of, of this uh, association, and I want to be part of every single one of those. I love that answer. It's a great capper. Mauricio Lozado doing great things. If you want to get involved with the Latino Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group, go to unitedsoccercoaches.org. You'll find the advocacy groups and get in touch with Mauricio. Thank you so much for being a part of this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. Mauricio, always a pleasure. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, this is always fun, um, and, and I look forward to uh, many more to come. Good stuff, Mauricio. Coming up, Anna Witte, who was on Podcast Row at the United Soccer Coaches Convention, continues to visit with other podcast leaders as we go Inside the 18. The Inside the 18 podcast, Anna Witte has all three hosts join her when we return. United Soccer Coaches would like to thank all 2022 convention attendees, exhibitors, presenters, and volunteers for reuniting in Kansas City. You can relive all of the special moments from the awards banquet and All-America Ceremony reception by watching the recordings now available on unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Remember to save the date for the 2023 convention in Philadelphia, January 11th through 15, 2023. Welcome back into the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. I'm Anna Witte. Today, joined by the co-podcasters of Inside the 18 Goalkeeper Podcast. We're joined by Michael Magdid, who has 17 years of goalkeeper coaching experience at the collegiate and professional level. We're also joined by Saskia Weber, who is a 99 World Cup champion, the USC goalkeeper coach, and a co-owner of the Angel City FC in the NWSL. Lastly, we have Omar Zini, the former UC Davis goalkeeper, goalkeeper coach for the Las Vegas Lights in the USL and founder of the Pro GK Academy. So much to say there, but guys, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. Three different people who have so much goalkeeper experience on so many different levels. So how do you know each other? 
first off, Anna, I just want to say that when I listen to Saskia and Omar's accolades, I go, why am I even here? Like, literally, I feel like I shouldn't even be listed. You're like, yeah, 99 World Cup winner, like UC Davis, like Big West Goalkeeper of the Year, Pro GK Academy, huge social media following. And this guy bought some podcast equipment and said, hey, I know these two people. <laughs> Mike, you're a good host. I, I will say so. you are you are a good host. You put good rundowns together. Yeah. You ask really good questions. You're you have a crazy needed. memory, which is insane. So yeah. there's there's a lot, lot to offer there. Well, thank you. you make thank a good you. team. I'm, I'm, well, we, we try. Honestly, you know, I mean, this this all kind of came together. First off, uh, Suski and I connected years back and hosting a daily talk show on television. And uh, if you think that this is a lot of work, imagine doing that. Live, and not live, live. To tape. live. Yeah. <laughs> Hour and a half live. <laughs> and, and at the time I was like, oh my gosh, this is Suskia Weber. Like I was thinking about trying to start a, a goalkeeping academy. Would you have any interest in doing this? And we, we thought about it. We actually tried to put it together. And I think we were just a little bit ahead of our time, Suskia, at the time. We were just a little bit ahead of, ahead of our time. And uh, years kind of passed. I actually was working with Omar Zini at the time because he was the, a young boy flourishing in the, uh, the, youth, uh, the youth game here in Southern California. And uh, we connected uh, later on, Omar, when, when you went to LA Galaxy Academy and then stayed in touch where you were at Davis. And then you got into the social media world. You came on this podcast that I had originally started with, with somebody else named Trevor Styles, And then Suskia came on board when she came on as a, a guest. And then afterwards, she had so much... She never left. She just, uh, she just never left. So that's kind of how it all kind of came, came together. And then, you know, honestly, the pandemic happened and, uh, and we didn't have really many other people to talk to on zoom. So it was just us. So the pandemic was, I think a great thing because the ex like so many people who are like more accessible, like they were all at home. So the next thing you know, like booking like, um, goalkeepers and coaches and everything from all over the world became a lot easier schedule wise because everybody was at home. So it really kind of changed the way that Michael had set up the podcast where in the beginning, it was more like we were doing a lot of analysis and breaking down like the EPL and stuff like that, where then it turned into, I think what I really love about this and just really getting to know coaches, their styles, players, what they've gone through, their backgrounds and everything. And it's turned more into that type of a podcast. I love it. I think Omar can even attest to the fact that a lot of the relationships that were formed on the podcast have actually benefited yourself as a professional coach too, Omar. Yeah. I mean, I think in the, in the goalkeeping world is such a niche position when other, you know, goalkeeper coaches who have been in our position for me, at least as a young coach, they've been in those roles where all they needed was just an opportunity to, you know, be exposed to having like a mentor, I would say, and they would have been years and years ahead. So I think because I love goalkeeping so much, and I think through the pandemic, through doing interviews, through, uh, through doing even Instagram Live and doing Q&As, a lot of those coaches, they felt that I was in love with the position as much as they were. So a lot of them, in my opinion, be, like became my mentors per se, like, like on, on social media or, you know, phone calls where after the podcast, they would say, hey, like, if you have, ever have any questions, please reach out. And I would, and they would respond. So for me, it was just like, the opportunity to kind of break that fourth wall of, Hey, I'm a, this is my, my profile on social media, but now we've actually spoken. And now that you have the same interest that I do, can I call you whenever? And they would all be very inviting and say, yeah, absolutely. And for me, it was just like, it just expanding my range of knowledge of the position. And then whenever those positions opened up, they would recommend, they would recommend because from a conversation we had, they said, Oh, this guy would be interesting in that position. So for me, as Saskia said, the pandemic, as bad as it was for the world and for the situation and healthcare and all that, I think for just for personal reasons, it was great. 
Michael, you kind of touched on the growth and where this podcast started. So what white space did you see in podcasting or maybe even the goal keeping world in general to start this podcast? Honestly, one of the things that, that happened is uh, I was approached by Trevor about doing a blog about goalkeeping for his for his glove company. And I said, well, why don't we just do a podcast about goalkeeping? He says, who's going to listen to a podcast about goalkeeping? He says, exactly. There's nobody doing it right now. So why don't we go ahead and, and fill that space? And, you know, a lot of the content that was out there in regards to goalkeeping was very negative and it was focused on you know, mistakes that goalkeepers were making or goalkeepers out of form or, or things like that. And then whenever it was positive, it was usually not based in actual substance. It was more like fantastic save, but that save will never happen again. You know, it was like a crazy moment type of scenario, or it was kind of like announced service on social media, which Omar can, you know, talk about in regards to the fact that there was a lot of people doing, um, announced service on social media just to get likes and views and everything like that. So um, I know Suskia was a major, uh, what's the opposite of proponent? Dis opponent? Is it opponent of that type of content? I don't, I don't know. I'm very I don't know opinionated. <laughs> I think he's trying, I think he's trying to say, they brought me on to be, to be the, the opinionated one. <laughs> so so Michael kind of touched on the fact that you kind of wanted to take it away from like the analytical side, a little bit of goalkeeping and just learn from people and how um, right. maybe the mental aspect of goalkeeping. So what have you guys learned and the type of people have you brought into the show to help people who may be goalkeeper coaches, but they also may be goalkeepers themselves? I think across the board, everybody we've brought onto the podcast has, has contributed in some way. And whether, you know, uh, Mike can get into more of the guests and, and they're different, like Dan Abrahams and stuff, talking about um, psychology of soccer and everything and, and getting into the head. But I think that really talking to each, like whether it's Jill Lloydin or, or Franz Hook or whoever, we find like, you know, goalkeeping is such a gray area, but we are a union because we go through a lot of the same things. And so just um, connecting in that way and finding out that, you know, we're not that different. We're not that far apart. Um, we have the same uh, hurdles to jump over. And it really kind of just opened up such a, such a conversation within our own community of goalkeeping. It's been amazing. To add on to that, you know, one of the things that I, I think is really fascinating, I think Omar could probably even attest to this as well, too, is that we've had a lot of guests who've come on who we've just thought of as goalkeeper coaches and then didn't realize that they had this incredible background in other facets of teaching, whether it's in behavioral studies or sports psych or sports performance. So they've been able to come on and showcase an area of expertise that they have that may not necessarily be able to, to give to people all the time um, because they just see them as a goalkeeper coach. For instance, uh, Jesse Goldman yeah. is a, a wonderful sports performance coach. Ben Dragovan, you know, up in the Pacific Northwest, fantastic sports performance coach. People more know them more primarily as, as goalkeeper coaches. Um, Tom Wheel, you know, knows sports psych and behavioral studies very, very well. Um, I think, you know, I think one of the, the cool things also about the podcast way to it is we're always touching on a subject. So it's not like everybody's coming in and just talking heads and like, how are you feeling today? And, and stuff like that. It's, it, you know, we'll break down a certain, like whether it's, um, you know, uh, building out of the back or with using the goalkeeper or collapse dives or a block save over, you know, old school style and stuff like those will be the topics. We tend to go left and right sometimes and, and get into like um, 
the thought process of why, which is what nobody was doing at all. Yeah, I think I think what, what I learned too is that I guess Saskia said earlier, like the goalkeeper union, I think we all go through a lot of the same challenges and a lot of those things have happened to us and we have those experiences, but bringing on people like Dan Abrahams, they've studied those behavioral like decisions that we've made under duress or uh, whatever experiences that we've had and they've put a name to it. So now we're having discussions specifically targeting certain things versus just saying this was a feeling. And I think, you know, one, one of the ones that I learned the most from, I think we've had Dan Abrahams on maybe more than five times. And I think one thing he said was, he's like, I might piss some people off, ruffle some feathers with coaches, but there's an ego towards coaches that believe that every goal conceded or mistake is founded in, tech, uh, in, in technique. When in reality, a lot of those players come in sometimes, whether they, you know, issues at home, issues with the manager, uh, issues with their sleep schedule, and psychologically, they're going through things. And that psychology can lead to a technical mistake. So it's not just a technical mistake, but it's founded in, in you know, uh, stuff that's in psychology. So again, those kind of conversations that we're having with these people who their area of expertise may not be goalkeeping, but they're providing um, context to the things that we go through. And I think that's provided a lot in terms of in just good information to the community. Yeah, I like that you touched on the psychological part of goalkeeping specifically. It's not just like you're clumping every single soccer player into one category. Why do you feel it's important to touch on the psychological aspect of being a goalkeeper on your podcast? <laughs> goalkeepers are crazy. It's everything. Well, I mean, but, but think about the stigma of that. Goalkeepers are crazy, right? But it, the, the truth to the matter is, is there's a lot... It, there's a lot going on there. I mean, you're the last line of defense when, when a mistake happens or when a goal happens, it's, you're the, you have to deal with that. And there's a lot of emotions that goalkeepers go through throughout training, throughout a game and everything, whether you can't compare a forward that that's missed like three sitters and a goalkeeper that makes a mistake and the ball goes in the back of the net. And it's just, it's definitely a different psyche there and how the goalkeeper deals with it and rebounds after that, how they shake it off is paramount to their success. And so, you know, it's just so such a fundamentally different position. It's a, yeah. it's an individual position in a team sport and with yeah, and, a lot of weight on your shoulders. Yeah. And I think, you know, today in, in the office, we were talking about just like watching, you know, different goalkeepers back to back and some highlights and stuff. And, the marginal differences you see between guys at USL level, guys at the MLS, and then guys in Europe. Um, so you see the marginal differences. And, and I remember hearing a story about Ederson, for example, and they said that his confidence is, it's, it's unfounded. It's, it's something that we've never, we haven't seen, but he can literally come out, play a ball, make a mistake that's horrific. It may not cost him a goal, but two minutes later, the same ball comes over and he applies the exact same approach. So psychologically, when you see that, that's what separates someone who in isolation can do that kind of job. But when you have pressure of making a mistake, you've just made that mistake. And then that doesn't waver your confidence at all. You do it again, and then it comes off properly. That to us is just like the marginal difference between an elite goalkeeper and somebody who's trying to be elite. And I think for us to have those conversations where young goalkeepers can say, oh my God, that doesn't just happen to me. Those conversations are now, you know, flushed out so many times. And you as a 10-year-old, 15-year-old, whatever the case may be, somebody who's experienced it, you know, over and over and over can provide context to that information for us is huge. So you don't feel alone out there. I, I want to bring this up as well, too, that Dan Abrahams always brings up ants, automatic negative thoughts. As a goalkeeper, we probably have these more than anybody else in an entire match because we have that time to think. 
And a lot of times we are alone with our own thoughts. You know, you're mm-hmm. talk, we're talking about mental health and sports in regard in regards to all positions. I think in goalkeeping, it's extremely important for a goalkeeper to find somebody in the sports spike field, you know, to work with them. Because I know myself personally, even as a player, even now today as an adult, when I go out there, I'm alone with my thoughts. And sometimes mm. very much I'm focused on the negative as opposed to positive. Ask a goalkeeper how many, it's the name of like five of their greatest saves. I bet you they can't ask them to name five of their biggest mistakes. They can, can in a second. Among the a million things we listed at the top of the show that each of you do, you also recently launched an app, the Union app. Why'd you launch the app and what does it do? Omar, you want to take that away? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, to to what Mike said earlier, I think I've been creating content on social media for goalkeeping uh, for five, six years now. And early on, I mean, I played with the algorithms. I saw, you know, certain content that would get me more likes, get me more followers. And I didn't really have an end game inside. It was just, okay, how many followers can I accumulate? And then over time, through conversations with people like Saskia and Mike and, and different coaches that I've you know, been exposed to, they were saying like, look, this content, it, it doesn't do me any good when I watch it. Young kids, they may watch it, they may scroll through it, but none of them are really stopping to actually learn anything. So there's no substance. So over the years, whether it's the podcast, whether it's my own content, I've tried to you know, provide more substance. And as a, as a collective, we sat down one, uh, one day and said, like, just as there was no podcast for goalkeeping at the beginning, I'm sure there are people hungry for a goalkeeping app that provides substance, that provides education. And if it's not a player, then it has to be a parent. If it's not a parent, then it has to be an educated coach. So we felt, you know what, why don't we bring all the minds that we have in terms of uh, goalkeeping voices and coaches and, and different people around the, the world and put them on an app that's easily accessible to anybody. It's free. And also to start categorizing it where everybody gets the same exact exposure, whether it's male female, younger, old, experienced, inexperienced. We wanted to give a platform where you have almost a safe space. You can, you know, post a video of yourself training and people, instead of, you know, feeling self-conscious about not getting any likes, you can come on and actually just be supported by a community. And I, sorry to go on a tangent, but I had a conversation no, with someone but yesterday. You yeah. I had a conversation with someone yesterday. We actually have a feedback form on the app and someone sent me a message and said, look, I love the app. And what I love about it so much is that I don't really care about my following on there. I don't mind following a thousand people and having zero followers because I'm literally on there just to get as much beneficial content as I possibly can. And to us, for me, at least, I don't know if you guys saw that. It goes straight to my email. It goes straight to my email. It it doesn't go to them. But for me, (laughs) I I, I, I didn't see that email. (laughs) I just smiled because I said, we really put this together in the the effort of, of those kind of conversations where societal what's become normal is to accumulate a crazy following. And that, that gives you currency in this world and currency in your life. And I think for us, it was like, no, no, no substance over everything. And we've tried our best to keep the integrity since day one. And it's taken a little bit of time because I think we wanted to get everything just right uh, with our developers, but we finally feel like we have a product yeah. that uh, it's out there that we love. And we, we honestly, we, we love and appreciate. And I think what's been great is the community giving those, uh, commentary back to us and telling us hey it's great we love it or hey can you change this a little bit and we're open to changing everything yeah and i mean the the, the engagement it was it's so huge for us as well i mean you can put you can put as a as a young kid you can post yourself on video and hope somebody but you don't know the quality of who's who's responding to you and here you know like they're just it's the best coaches it's the best players and if you're asked we have you know somebody asking a question what are you looking for like in in female goalkeepers at this age and stuff and and like here I'm responding and, and I'm not patting myself on the back in any way, shape or form, but this is a world cup soccer champion responding to you. And how would you have reached out to me before that, you know, and 
And again, that's what this is about. It's, you know, Omar's responding, Mike's responding and other coaches on there. Um, and, and from parents to ask psychological questions, anything, anything you want, like these are, this is a safe space and a quality space for that engagement, which is huge for us. We, we, that's what we wanted. And Anna, just to, to kind of add on to that right there, this is a need that's necessary, not just the goalkeeping community, but other yeah. sports specific communities as well, too. So we're planning on expanding once we get kind of the nuts and bolts done with the goalkeeping community. That's why it's called the union sports, because it's going to be sports specific communities, whether it's, you know, field players or whether it's, you know, it football sure players, whatever it is mm-hmm. out there, there's a need out there in regards to this uh this this place because right now on s- traditional social media all the content is all over the place and it's it's very difficult to filter because the ai doesn't know what's quality content all it knows is what's trending or what's popular or what i always go back i always go back when we started this i go back to the guy driving the truck on the field throwing the soccer balls out of the back and the goalkeeper just chasing the truck doing breakaway saves and i'm just like sitting here like and it was it was huge it was trending but I'm like, what's the, what is this serving right now? And somebody like Omar or somebody, another coach that's putting really quality educational content out there for coaches, for parents, for players is somewhere under that because it's not as, it's not as weird or it's, you know, and so we wanted to get rid of that. We wanted to filter out the, the stupidity. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Let's we, be honest about it. Yeah. And we don't want it to be passive content either. We don't want no. it to be master class where people are just watching training videos. We want people engaging, starting conversations. I love the discussion bulletin board area. The forum mm-hmm. is massive, Omar. And I don't know if you want to explain what the forum is all about and then kind of get to the feed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've separated the app into two sections. We have our feed area, uh, which we... I mean, we, we launched it today, really kind of like repurposed it where you can post job listings. You can post, uh, as a coach, you can post your CV and, and your training avail- uh, availability, where you train from as a private group. Um, and then you also have uh, the last one, which are our camps and clinics. So we really wanted to make it super accessible for young coaches, for parents, uh, for experienced coaches who have camps. We really wanted to have that, that side of the platform where you know exactly what you're getting and you know exactly so that in your area, there's nothing you're missing. Um, and then you have on the forum, it, it serves as more like a discord, kind of like Reddit. Um, but for us, it's again, substance led. So we really want to have those discussions where it's not just um, who's, you know, who's the best goalkeeper in the world. It's more so, okay, like what are the attributes that make him or her the best goalkeeper in the world? You know, so I think for us, it's, we really want to have that in terms of what's trending and all that kind of stuff. We really wanted to separate ourselves from the rest of the other social medias that when you come on here, what's trending is going to be substance-filled content or information that will sit with you for the day or sit with you for the week or month or year. Yeah, and we filtered everything into different pillars. So we have like our, our, our main pillars, which I believe are, oh boy, Omar, do you know them off the top of your head? <laughs> yeah, we have, we have, we have uh, coach, coaching education, we have performance, we have uh, performance psychology, and then the last one is, uh, oh my God. Nutrition and lifestyle? Health nutrition and nutrition and lifestyle, and lifestyle. yeah. I think, you know, for, for example, I have a really good family friend and she's in nutrition and lifestyle and I'm in talks with her to do kind of like a little mini series because for me as a player, as a goalkeeper, my teammates had different profiles, different body types they, and their bodies needed different, uh, the, the game provides different needs and wants from their bodies compared to a goalkeeper and pregame in college, which again, I should 
probably no more information by then. But nutrition wise, I would eat the same things that my friends were eating. And by the game, I would be exhausted. I would be tired. I would be sluggish. And had I just known or had I had just spoken to somebody, consulted with somebody in nutrition and lifestyle, like, hey, this is what your body needs based on your profile. This is what you need, you know, pregame, whether it's a big meal, whether it's a small snack, this is what you need postgame, which is small meal, big snack, whatever it is. For us, that information is, is valuable. And it's not just exclusive to goalkeeping. And that's why we think that in every sport, every position in, in every sport, there's going to be a need for that. And again, our test market is goalkeeping. And so far, so good. The responses have been great, but it takes time. And I think we're, we're more than happy to wait as, as it continues to grow. It sounds like you touched on literally everything or thought of literally everything before you started this app. So I think it's awesome. Anna, this is, it's, it's been it's, a, year, a year in the making. It's, it's, it's been, been longer a than that. Of, a, lot of, a lot of conversations, a lot of Zoom calls and you know, ideas that you think uh, off the top are amazing ideas. By the next week, they're flushed out. And what I love about me personally, I love about this group is that we're all very supportive. So it's like, hey, if your idea didn't come through, at least we gave you the safe space to speak it. And as the group discusses, we want to progress this or we want to move forward with this. It's just the ideas are flowing. And I think we all bring something valuable to the, to the table. And again, the feedback forum uh, forum has been amazing on the app. People send us notes as well. So we're coupling what we like, what, what our wants and needs compared to the communities. And so far it's been aligned, but sometimes people will throw ideas that we never even thought of. So it's been, it's been really cool. Omar, you touched on a part of your app being specifically for coaches, a forum for them to learn. What can they learn from your app in that area? So I think for, for us, like we have different groups, uh, training footage is, is one of them. So I think the way I've best explained it is if I'm a young coach and I am in a pinch and I want to put a session together, yeah. I can go on the app under the group setting, under the uh, training footage, and I can personally find content that's going to be useful for me, whether it's today, tomorrow, or for a camp that I'm running. I've been posting, and, and Mike as well, and sound bites. You know, from our podcast, we've had exceptional guests on as well. So whether it's sports psychology, whether it's nutrition and lifestyle, whatever it is, those sound bites will help a coach to become a better coach so they can speak to their goalkeeper from a different perspective, different context, and provide that information that's going to help the young goalkeeper to, in my hopefully, continue to progress and develop. Um, so those two things for me are absolutely uh, pivotal. But I think as we progress more to different groups and expand the content creators and tastemakers on the platform, I think more information will be out there and, and help coaches become more well-rounded and not just see the position, as Dan Abraham said, from a technical-based standpoint. I use it. I was like, okay, I have some drills I got to put together. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. so... I just use it for my own training purposes for selfishly for working out in the gym. Like Jesse Goldman was posting some awesome training exercises. I was like, Oh, I'll do that today in the gym. That's a, that's pretty solid. So yeah. Um, yeah, it is. the United soccer coaches convention this past January, wasn't your first one. So why do you guys continue to go back and what do you learn from those times at the convention? I think Omar goes back for the uh, for the coffee at the little kiosks. I think that's what he. You know what? I haven't. You know what? I'll answer. I haven't been to the convention in twenty something years. Yes, yeah, I'm old, guys. Um, and uh, this was my first time back. And just to to be around that quality and level of of players, of coaches, and everything, and see people face to face, and and reconnect, and it was amazing. And um, to sit on some of the panels, you know, with Amy Griffith. Um, with Eric Winalda, with everything, and be, be able to discuss in person with um, coaches that are there to learn, parents that are there to learn, and everything. It, it's phenomenal, and it's, it's, it's a necessity. And, and I want to say this, too. I think the, the culmination of 
all the the time doing remote education when it comes to whether it's through United Soccer Coaches modules or podcasts or the app or whatever, I think eventually being able to bring that online to offline collection is so important. Because once you develop that relationship online and then you're able to bring it offline, you already have this, this backstory, this experience. You've, you've already been talking with each other and now you can really, really dig into things and you can really develop these friendships and, and relationships that are going to benefit everybody you know, uh, in, in the long term, not just you yourselves, but the, the entire community as a whole. I mean, it's so awesome to, to meet people that I'd never met outside of social media in person at yeah. these conventions and realize, oh my gosh, we really are like-minded people. Um, this wasn't just a, you know, um, just in my head, you know, we really are on the same wavelength. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing a little bit about your own podcast, what you guys have done to build this app, which sounds amazing. We'll make sure to tag uh, where they can find your podcast and the app in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Pleasure having you. Thanks, you guys. Thank Thanks, you. Anna. We appreciate it. Thanks, Anna. And as she mentioned, to learn more about the Inside the 18 podcast, go to InsideThe18Media.com. Coming up, we meet one more member of the amazing United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 class. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations. League Apps saves you time and headaches, less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. As you've heard me often say, this is my favorite part of the show as we're back on the train getting to know more of our amazing 30 under 30 members. And now it's time to get to know Haley Zved, spelled S-V-E-D-E. And she pointed out she's not Swedish. It's actually Latvian descent. And Haley is on the program now. Welcome, Haley. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we're delighted to have you as you uh, were just recognized actually just a month or so ago by the Eastern New York Youth Soccer Association for, in fact, being a part of this 30 under 30 class as you've obviously been with them quite some time. I do want to point out that Crystal Dunn and Allie Long are also Eastern New York ODP graduates and, of course, current World Cup champs. So obviously that's a great organization you're a part of. Yeah, so I'm with the 2006 girls South squad this year. I'm an assistant coach and I played as a kid. So it's kind of a cool full circle um, that's going on. It's been a really fun experience so far. I'm excited. Yeah, well, I, I dove right in with that Crystal Dunn and Allie Long, but we really want to start from the beginning. So tell us about yourself, where you grew up. I know you ended up playing college at Mercer, which I think is down in Georgia, but tell us uh, your path, you know, where you played club and uh, how you ended up at Mercer, and then we'll get into your coaching path. So I grew up in Menacing Valley, New York. I think better better known as like an hour outside of New York City with no traffic. And then when I started off there, I kind of started with just Minisync youth soccer. And then from there, I realized that, okay, I really want to actually compete and play a little bit more serious soccer. So I ventured out to World Class, which is based out of Orangeburg, New York. And I spent the majority of my time there, which was an awesome time. That was like right when ECNL started up, which was a really cool experience to be a, be a part of at the start. ODP was in the mix of things. And then from there, I had a list of 
college, my dad was like, okay, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? And I was like, nowhere in New York, nowhere near New York. I don't want to be anywhere up East. So I basically looked like anywhere that I had to get on a plane. And I came across Mercer University in Macon, Georgia. And from there, I was like, all right, it's far. It's down South. This is awesome. So I took the dive. I went to Macon, Georgia, and it was just such an awesome experience. I've had so many friends from just playing soccer and just being a part of the Mercer community. So my soccer career in reality, it was really long, but it felt like I blinked and it's, it's done already, which is why I got into coaching. So I, I moved back to New York City right after I graduated financially not the smartest move as being fresh out of college but I made it I'm here and then from there I really I really missed soccer and I started to get into just like youth coaching which was literally like two to eight year olds for a company called Soccer Shots and then from there I met some friends that coached at Manhattan Soccer Club they were like hey I think you should get connected with Manhattan Soccer Club got connected with them and then from there I've been coaching at Manhattan Soccer Club for three years been coaching youth for about five years now. And then now I'm dabbling in like ODP, which has been a really fun experience. And I'm volunteer assistant coaching at Felician University in Rutherford, New Jersey. My plate is pretty full, but it's full of a lot of things that I love. So right now, this is my adventure of soccer so far. And I'm really excited to kind of continue to see where it's going to go and what's going to happen. That's awesome. And we're going to go back to that. But I also understand you're a full-time teacher as well. Where do you teach and what do you teach? Yeah, so I teach PE, K through 8 PE, at a private school in New Jersey called Pioneer Academy. And what'd you major in at Mercer? So I majored in soccer. <laughs> and then <laughs> I realized, I was like, okay, I'm not actually here just to play soccer. Uh, and then I actually, uh, I double majored in communications and media studies. So I worked for ESPN3 while I was a junior and senior, and I got to do a lot of video, video work for our basketball teams, which was a lot of fun. And at first, I, I kind of thought I wanted to get into that realm of work just to still be involved in sports. And then when I moved to New York City, I realized I was like, all right, maybe I don't want to be involved in that line of work and pivoted a little bit more to, well, not a little bit, now a lot to, to just coaching. Well, that's awesome. Obviously, uh, you know, I'm a broadcaster, so I, I, I love that work. It was neat that you did that, but it was also cool that you discovered what you really love. Uh, let's go back to Mercer. What position did you play and what division is Mercer in? Yeah, so I played defense my whole entire life. My senior year of high school, I started to play defensive midfield, like maybe here and there a game. I went to college. I did not step a foot in defense. I played defensive midfield for the whole entire time. So my career of soccer really was like, all right, defense, nope, not anymore. Now you're switching, which is a fun experience just like as a player to do something for majority of your playing career and then have it pivot so late in your playing career. And then I played striker for like a one season and didn't score a single goal. And I was like, okay, this is not my position. <laughs> Mercer is division one. And we were in the Atlantic Sun Conference for my freshman year. And then when we got football back, we went over to SOCON. So for now we're in the SOCON conference. Well, that's awesome. Okay. I should have known Mercer is D1, but uh, I didn't realize that. That's fantastic. Okay. Good for yeah. you. D1 scholarship, right? And and got an education out of it. Well done. What was your best memory playing at Mercer? What was the big moment for you? It's a cool one. And it's, it's I guess, not sad, but so we have a pink out game for Breast Cancer Awareness Month in October. And we were playing Kennesaw State and I was a freshman and we were in double overtime tied. And there was like maybe 45 seconds left in the game and a ball bobbled out 
and I hit it with my left foot. Wasn't like the best shot ever. And it just like rolled in the goal. And instantaneously, like everyone on the sideline sprinted out. There was the biggest dog pile ever. It was the craziest experience. Like I have goosebumps talking about it just because it's one of those moments that you're like, I will replay this over and over again. Unfortunately, the next game I broke my foot. So it was one of those moments of like, whoa, this is unreal. My parents, I think, got to see it like on video because obviously they're in New York. It was one of those experiences like I will remember this for the rest of my life. And then to have that and then break my foot the next game was it was sad, but it was also like, all right, I ended on this great note. And then I came back, obviously, the next season and I was fine. But that was against Kennesaw freshman year pink out game. Friday night lights like it was unreal. 30 seconds left. It was really it was really, 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 really cool. Yeah, score, score yeah. as a freshman in a D1 game. That's awesome. Was it later in the season? Or how many games did you miss your freshman year with that broken foot? Oof. I had two season-ending injuries, which stunk. But both of them, I missed redshirting by like two games, uh, which was unfortunate. My sophomore year, I had micro fractures in my femur. I just had pain sometimes rolling out. And I was like, ah, I'm just sore. We're just playing soccer seven times a week. And then I got to a point where I couldn't really like put pressure on it like it hurt to walk and hurt to do simple stuff like shoot a ball I got an MRI and I just had like these baby baby micro fractures right where like you stick your hands in your pocket in my femur which was as a 18 I would have been probably 18 19 at that age I was just like how am I breaking my foot how is my femur chipping away and I'm not even 20 yet so that was one moment of my career that I was just like wow this is like it's a big bummer because you spend your whole summer training really hard you put a lot of time and energy and effort into it to get ready. And then a couple games in, you're like, ah, all right, this is it. I got to come back and I got to just fight to get there again, which I think creates a lot of character. And I think it's hard to overcome challenges, but those are the things that will make you, I think for one, love the sport more. And for two, just realize like, this is such like a, I don't want to say blessing, but like, this is, this isn't just given to you. It's something that can be taken away super fast, which anyone that has had an injury or, career ending injury is something different because I haven't that's not something I've experienced but like those injuries really put into perspective that this is something you love and you can't take it for granted as hard as it might be sometimes and how many challenges you might overcome so yeah that was tough I think that says a lot about your spirit as well and I think that's one of the things that probably the United Soccer coaches recognized when they were considering you for the 30 under 30 I want to get to that but First, I want to discover, you know, you mentioned you went back to New York City. Soccer Shots is an organization I'm familiar with. I love what they do with the, the little tots, as we as we call them. So when you were at Mercer, did the coaching bug hit? Or was it when you got back to New York and New York City when the coaching bug hit? So we would have these clinics. I think it was in our spring season, just for fun. We would go to the local, like, Macon Fields. And the Macon, I think Macon had a, they had, like, some sort of soccer club. And this was so long ago, so I could be wrong. It might've just been like a bunch of kids, but we do these like mini clinics. And I was the one that was always just like being such a goofball, like having so much fun. I was like, this is so fun. There's like videos of me doing dances that I was like, okay, this is something I really clearly kind of enjoyed back then, but just didn't realize it. And then spring season of my senior year, because at that point you're not really tight. You don't have to wake up for training anymore. Like you're not technically a part of the team. I was trying to coach then and it just wasn't lining up with my schedule. So I knew I wanted to get involved then. Then once I got to New York city, it took me like a month to be like, all right, I need soccer back in my life. I think I knew I wanted to do it. I just never, I don't want to say I didn't have the opportunity, but I don't think 
times lined up correct in college where now, not that I'm kicking myself, but I'm like, ah, if I would have started coaching then, could have gotten my licenses a little bit sooner, but I, I believe everything does happen for a reason. So for whatever reason, I didn't coach then, and now I'm coaching now. I think it's, it's for a good reason and, and for something that is going to obviously benefit me in some sort of way. But the coaching bug, I think senior, junior year, I was like, all right, you should do this. You should try. And when did you learn about United Soccer Coaches and the 30 Under 30 program, Haley? Yeah, so I've known about it for a couple of years. I applied, obviously, this year, and I applied last year. Last year, during the summer, my boyfriend and I, we bought a van, and we basically just traveled up and down the coast during COVID. And at that point, I was doing a lot of virtual training for Manhattan Soccer Club. So I was out of the back of a van, like, doing which is really cool to think about out of the back of the van, doing all these virtual training sessions, like in a different state, pretty much every day to training. And I remember being in Ohio and I was just like, all right, I should apply to this. I should try. And I, I applied and I, I wrote all my stuff and I didn't get it that year. And then this year came along and I was talking to a few family members and talking to my boyfriend and I was back and forth. I was like, I don't know if I should do it again. Should I do it again? He's like, yeah, why? It's like, worst that can happen you're 26. At that point, I was 25. He's like, you're 20, 25. You don't get it. He's like, you still have five years. I was like, yeah, you know what? All right, I'll go for it again. And then I got the email in October and I was like, oh my God. I was like, you got it. He's like, that's it. I was like, oh, well, here I am. I'm glad I did it. So does that mean you were at the convention in Kansas City, Haley? Yes, I was. And it was, it was my first one. And it was, I can't even describe it. I had the greatest time ever. And I met so many awesome people, just like our group. And then also just people that I know of, like people of people. And of course, just strangers, because clearly I can't stop talking ever. <laughs> I want to go back to this decision. Uh, I like this decision during COVID where you got in a van and how many states did you hit on that and the trip with uh, your boyfriend? I probably should know this. We hit at least six. Okay. So we went Vermont. Vermont was, was our first stop. Vermont, Maine, Jersey. We did like a loop. Connecticut. Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina, Ohio. What did you want to see in Ohio? I'm just wondering as someone from Ohio. <laughs> what did we go to Ohio for? Football Hall of Fame we went to. Okay. And we also stopped at Lake Erie. Okay. We went to Cleveland. We went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay. I think that was it, honestly. We were there for like a day. We kind of did that little trip and then we, we ended our trip, I think, with Ohio. I could be missing a few states. You know, I always ask the crystal ball question, and um, I do like the fact that you talk a lot. You're a great interview, and I like that you have that communications background as well, so you know kind of what we're looking for here. But uh, what is your goal 10 years from now? You, I'm sure you've heard me ask that to the other members. Yeah, and while I was eating my tacos last night, I was like, all right, 10 years from now, what am I going to do? What am I going to be? I was like, what am I going to say? But at the end of the day, and I and I, I don't know if this is why I'm involved in so many different realms of soccer right now where I'm, I have youth soccer. I have not much youth soccer. Like I've got high school girls. I have the college kind of like, I have so many different realms of it. And I, and right now I know for a fact, I obviously want to be involved in soccer and I'm, I'm hoping that soccer will be my full-time position within 10 years, but I know soccer will be my life. I know I want to be heavily involved in female soccer, whether it be youth, high school, college. And I know I said this a lot in my 30 under 30 kind of interview and or more so I guess questionnaire but I just want to make a difference in whatever I'm doing so in 10 years if I can have my own program be involved in 
all of these things still, but just be that person that can somehow make a difference for a player, make a difference for someone I'm working with or stepping across. I think that's what's going to fulfill me the most. And I'm a very emotional and very passionate person. So I hope in 10 years, I'm at a point where I feel like I'm doing good for whoever I'm coming in contact with, whether that be youth, college, high school, et cetera. I like that answer. And I like that you mentioned that you're passionate and emotional because I can feel that even on this Zoom and then also your stories of, you know, wanting to get out of New York and going down to Mercer in Georgia and then doing that adventure during COVID as well. So it makes me wonder, like, where did this spirit come from? Was it from your family or what is it about you that you always wanted to be adventurous and, and willing to take risks? That's a good question. I don't want to say I'm a lot to handle because that seems that's always very negative. But I do think my personality, I think sometimes even overwhelms me. And I'm like, oh, why'd you just say that, Haley? I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? But I think the biggest people in my life that have really shaped me are obviously my parents. My parents are two phenomenal people. My opa, which is my grandpa, just in German. He was like my buddy. He's the best. He's the best human ever or was the best human ever. He passed away. But those people, they just like, they really motivated me to just be me. And they really accepted me and just me. Like right now, no one can see this, but like I have 10 different colors on my fingernail. Like I just, just do things that make me happy. And I think a lot of the times, and I don't know if this is just how I feel, but I feel like a lot of the times people are afraid to be them for what pe other people are going to see them as. And I don't want to say I don't care, but I'm like, I just want to be me. And I just want to have fun. And I want to talk to strangers and I want to just have everybody in my life just be happy with what they're doing. And my parents really, like my mom is always like, oh, you should get that. And it's like a leopard onesie. I'm like, all right, yeah, mom, thanks. <laughs> like stuff like that, where I'm like, some people be like, no, that's gross. It's my, my younger sister's always like, you're really wearing that? I'm like, yes, I am. And I don't care. Even this weekend, I had, I had LGBTQ, which shout out to the advocacy group. I had those laces in my sambas. And then I had leopard socks and the one girl was like what made you wake up this morning and put that on I was like I'm not even gonna lie I didn't even think about it I just like put it on my body like it's just <laughs> who I am and I think people that are around me haven't really I guess not made me feel comfortable with who I am so I can give props to just my friends my family just like really helping me be me and just just kind of being like oh that's just Haley she's just yeah. she's just she's just herself so yeah. Which is which is a great yourself, by the way. Uh, I like I like your spirit. I want people to be able to follow you. Are you on social media? Can people keep track of all your progress? I took a social media hiatus for a little bit, and I deleted Instagram. And I tried to I was on off of it for like a year almost, just because I feel like mentally it can get a little overwhelming. And then I recently came back because I realized you connect with so many people over social media now. Like that's just the way the easiest way to connect. So I have my soccer social media, which is Coach Hale Bean at Coach Hale Bean, which is also my Peloton, which I'm like, every, <laughs> we're, all bean, we're, we're all beans. We're just funny people. And then I have obviously the Manhattan Soccer Club, New York City one, which is the club I coach for. And then I have my own personal one, which is just like, if you want to see who I actually am and not my soccer human, then I have me, which is just, uh, oh, hell yeah, embodies exactly who I am. So <laughs> I've got those three. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Haley Zvid. Did I say that right? Zvid, yep. You have a nice, you say the V nice. You say Zvid. I like it. 
You're awesome. Congrats Thanks. on being this a member so of the fun. 30 Under 30. Yeah, this has been a, this has been a, one of the most fun interviews I've done with the 30 Under 30 people. Haley, you're awesome. Thanks for being on this week's show, and um, we'll see you down the road at another convention, okay? Yeah, I can't wait. Hopefully, I get to see you in person soon. Well, we aren't. You know what I mean. Not virtual. Yeah. No, yeah. Come see me in Philadelphia. I'm always there at the convention, so I'll see you there, okay? You got it. Have a great day. I'll see you soon. What a great program, the 30 Under 30 program, and what a great show, the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. I want to thank all of our guests and the great people at United Soccer Coaches, including Bailey Conklin, Brandon Milburn, and Erica Dyer, as well as Jeff Van Dusen and the gang. I also want to thank our producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them and all of you, I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.